What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We're now on Amazon Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find all of our content on YouTube at The Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at The Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal offense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mallon and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. I feel bad he's got an 18-incher or a two-footer. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Kulak. What's up, everyone? Hope everyone had a great week. We got another big episode coming at you. Uh, I'm currently on location at Manasquan River Golf Club uh, for the New Jersey Amateur Championship. Uh, we're going to talk about what's happening here today. I was bouncing around this morning, uh, walked the course, saw some, some of our guys, some of our players out there. Uh, so we're going to chat about that. And, um, and then next week, we're going to give you a wrap-up of what happens in the next two-plus days that we got going on. So we're going to kind of kind of stay along with this. We've talked about this being a uh, you know quote unquote major for New Jersey, and, and you can tell that it has that feeling here, um, which we'll get into. Uh, this week's guest is Mega Gane. Mega gained national fame. Uh, she's famous from around you know our parts here, uh, but she gained national fame in 2021 as she was the leader, tied for the lead. Uh, after day one at the 2021 U.S. Women's Open. And she was two shots off the lead heading into the weekend where she finished tied 14th and was low am for the tournament. And why that's a big deal? She just finished her junior year of high school during that week, a few weeks before, whatever it was. She might have been a junior and just took some time off. She just finished her year, freshman year at Stanford University uh, she's going to be a huge, huge name in women's golf for years to come. So make sure you stick around, listen to what she has to say, and, and uh, give that a listen. All right, Mike, let's get into it. So before we get into you know your day at the State Am right now, let's talk a little bit about the social media side of things because you know I do want the audience to know, and if you don't already follow us on Instagram, it's at the drop underscore pod. But we recently just hit the 2,000 follower mark. And I noticed some people that me like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's 2,000 people. Who cares? There's other you know, handles that have way more. No doubt. There's no doubt. But I think the one thing that I think that you and I have you know, held, our, you know, held firm on is none of the advertising on our end is paid for. It is strictly word of mouth. It's us putting the best type of product out there that we can. And it's all authentic. It's all organic. And that is a number that is we got to in less than six months from getting a thousand. You know, we hit 1,000 followers, and it's a funny stat here. We hit 1,000 followers on January 9th, 
Okay, huge deal, big deal for us. So Je- July 8th comes around, and we are hovering right around 1,997. And I'm saying to my head, man, it would be nice to get a few more followers to, to eclipse that magic number in less than six months. And lo and behold, before the day ends, we're over that number. So I, I do want to thank everybody for following us on Instagram. And if you don't, you know, make sure you head on over there at the drop underscore pod, you know, because, you know, it is just another way for us to, to get us to get content out there, to get information out there, just to have fun with the audience and engage. So take a look at that. And the other thing I do want to point out on the social media side is, you know, we do have some longer videos. And I think the one that is the most recent that people should go take a look at is, is the curing, the curing culotte with the 4d motion that you and Dr. Mike put out there, I thought was really cool. So there are some longer videos on our YouTube channel, which is the drop golf podcast. Um, you know, and again, we're right on the cusp of hitting 500 subscribers. You know, we're at 494. So if you don't follow us there or subscribe there, you know, do us a favor. Go click that little button. Um, again, these things go a long way for us in terms of, you know, popping up on different search engines so other people can see us. Um, but I do think that one video, again, I think it's nearly 20 minutes. And I think you and Dr. Mike and, and Tom over at TD Green do a phenomenal job in in something like that so it just gives us another way to to connect with the audience um and and not always on on what we're doing here with the podcast yeah i I, uh that that video was really cool i really had a fun time doing that and it was it was really helpful the the longer videos are you know as as we've talked about mike we're not this is not our full-time job um so they are a little tougher to do they are sparser you know as far as some of those but they we're trying to do them uh we are going to have more of them coming out and um i i think they're i think they're going to be great videos you know something that that a platform like youtube is really the only place that you can watch the whole thing that's not like an instagram vehicle or you know a, a a stories that you can watch that's really the only spot for those bigger videos so as mike said jump on over there and and give those a watch yeah, and then the last thing that I have here for a little housekeeping item is is our our official The Drop Podcast polos have arrived. They are in stock. Um, I got mine the other day, and I, I can't lie. I, I know I've said this on repeat. You know, the material, this, you know, the, the, the logo, the color scheme, everything I thought came out really, really well. So, you know, kudos to, to Chris over at Fluke Apparel Company for, for putting – you know, a really nice polo together. But I will preface it by saying this. Um, the material is a very is very similar to Grayson, okay, which is a tighter, more athletic fit. So if you are a golfer who prefers a looser, a little more, you know, a little baggier in a sense type shirt, I'd recommend sizing up. I, I would. And and you know, maybe I should have mentioned that a little sooner than than I than I did. Um but I do think that's one thing that I've noticed with talking to a few people is it may seem a little more on the tighter side. So again, if you haven't and you're debating on purchasing them, I can't lie. Some of the people that I've talked to that have, have found ones that fit um, have nothing but great things to say. So again, go check that out. Fluke Apparel Company. Go click on the golf collection. You'll see our polo in there. Um, they're in stock. 
There's no more pre-ordering. So I thank everybody who did pre-order because, you know, that was a, a mission of ours to prove that we could push push some merchandise out there. And we clearly did. So, um, again, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Go check that out. You, you know, you'll be truly impressed with what, what is over there. Yeah, Mike, no doubt that the I've gotten, again, the same kind of feedback you have. The material is awesome. Uh, but if you're, I mean, it's no secret, I'm a bigger fella. If you're on the bigger side, you're probably going to want to size up because it is that form-fitting kind of material, um, which, you know, sometimes for, for us bigger guys, it's, it's not always the best, uh, the best fit for us. So, so if you're like me, I like it a little looser, uh, you're going to want to size up for, uh, for that. So, again, sorry we couldn't get it to you earlier or get that info to you earlier, but, but it's a new endeavor, endeavor for us. So we got the information out now to you. All right, Mike, let's get into my day here at the State Am at Manasquan River. I know, I know you are jealous that I'm here, uh, but, but let me tell you, being here, I'm jealous you get to be here as often as you do. Yeah, listen, I think you're getting, you're getting a full treat right now. And I mean, you're getting to walk the grounds. I know you said some of those hills are, are torturous. Daunting. And I said, you, th- you, th- you think 10 is bad. Go take a walk on the front. And you kindly pass that up. Um, so I'm glad you're sticking to the pretty views they have over there. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, I, I kind of, I, I was out on the course a little bit. You know, I kind of walked, um, when I got here, I just was, uh, I parked my car, I grabbed, like, where players are signing in, I grabbed a, a T-sheet and a course map. Uh, and the hole that's kind of right there on the parking lot is eight. And I, so I, I kind of walked over to there. Not knowing who was who, but just kind of wanting to see the golf course. Because, again, I've never seen that side of the golf course. So I get to eight, and there's people teeing off. So I kind of wait kind of back in the, in the trees there. Obviously, where I walked in is clearly like a, like a cart path. Not a cart path, but like where carts will go. Because uh, it was very clearly like matted down where the – like an unofficial cart path for maintenance or whatever to get out onto that side of the course. And who's teeing off? Jerry Wall, Troy Venucci. <laughs> and and it, uh, it, was, it was awesome. Like I said, I kind of laid back there. I don't, I don't, I'm here, and I don't want to be a distraction to anybody. I don't know, you know, at, at, at pro tournaments, nobody wants to talk to any of the, anybody inside or outside the ropes anyway. But there's no ropes here. So, like, it's, it's kind of like a, a little, like, touch and feel. Like, am I allowed to walk here or... I kind of feel like if this was a pro tournament, I wouldn't be allowed in this area. But like, uh, I could be standing on the tee box while somebody's teeing off, and I don't. As long as the players don't have a problem, it doesn't seem like it's an issue. Again, not that I'm going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's one thing you do. You do have free reign at these events. Yeah, I think the understanding is like, you know, you have a, you know, what you're doing. You're going to be respectful of the players. You're going to be respectful of the course and the field. And as long as you're not getting in the way. There are there are no set quote rules, right? So I and and that's the thing. Like I don't want to make anybody nervous or like look over and be like, oh, like any of our guys or or just like anyone excited, you know, excited to see me or or anything like that. And these guys don't usually play in front of crowds. So like even if they don't know who I am and it's just a group passing through, I don't want to make those people nervous either. So 
um, it's it's kind of it's a little bit touchy there. But anyway, I, I'm I'm in the tree line. The two hit their drives. I kind of take a step out, and Troy has an enormous smile and comes walking right over to me, says hello. He's in the middle of his round. He teed off on one. He's on hole eight. Like he's he's grinding through, but he um, got a quick hello. It was really nice to really nice to get that. Jerry was kind of you know Jerry walked past and just just head down. I wasn't really sure if Jerry just didn't recognize me from like being in like I don't have uh, like I don't have anything that says drop podcast. He's only seen me on Zoom, so um, you know I I don't know if if it was that. Jerry and I caught up after his round, and and he was like, oh my God, yeah, I saw you out there, and and like again, partly I'm not trying to distract him. He's in the zone. I want to let him do his thing, and um, and then you know we caught up afterwards for a little while, so that was really cool, but. But man, I'll, I'll tell you. So walked up eight with them, um, a blind, really like a, a blind second shot to like where that pin was today. It was it was tucked in the front. So if you didn't go up and 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 honestly, like it's just a little bit more work. But if you didn't walk up to the green to see where it was, you might not have realized how much room you had behind or what you wanted to do with it. So that was that was really cool, uh, and then nine they are far back there. I mean they're they're in the woods from where that green is. It was really something cool to see, and and seeing where a couple of the guys hit, uh, like Jerry pulled his drive left a little bit. He got kind of caught up in the rough, uh, not really a tree in his way, but kind of didn't get a rollout at all. And Troy got Troy hit the speed slot because you could build. You could build million-dollar condos between where Troy's drive was on nine and where Jerry's was on nine, um, and and then the golf course did what it does. I mean, Jerry's able to get it onto the into the bottleneck of that green there, and two putts it for par. Troy puts it over the back, um, like it doesn't hold the green. It kind of trickles off. He chips on, and then two putts. So, so again, like you look at the drives and you're like, someone's in significantly better shape than the other and it ends up it ends up flipping you know the guy you think is going to get bogey gets par the guy you think you're going to get par so so that was really cool to see and then um behind them was uh in the group behind them was Corey Brigham and I, I got to got to walk with Corey and again I'm trying to stay back and I've I've never met Corey we had a great conversation with him early on and met him on on zoom here but it's not like I know, it's not like we've met officially, like in person. So I'm hanging at the green on nine now. Troy and, and Jerry tee off on 10, so I'm kind of right in between there. And Corey's getting, like, lining up his putt, looks over at me. And he's now seen me a few times because I was, while they were coming up to the green on eight, I was standing there. So he kind of had a, a view of me a couple times. And then he's, like, lining up his putt, and he, he looks up and gives me a wave. So, like... Some people, again, like they're, I don't want to distract them, but like he's lining up a putt and it's just like, yo, dude, what's up? <laughs> and it's just, it's just like he's playing a casual round of golf, which was, which was really pretty, again, pretty funny. And then teed off with him. I didn't tee off with him. You know, I was up there while he teed off. And then we walked up the 10th fairway, which, as I told you, is a, is a daunting, <laughs> a daunting walk. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize I needed to stretch before I got out here. And, uh, and then I, I had dropped them off, and I, I kind of went over 
down while they finished 10, teed off on 11. I, you know, got some pictures, and it was it was really, uh, really a, a, a nice walk backwards. You know, heading back toward the water, you got quite a view there. Um, then it kind of dropped, you know, dropped them off on 11 onto their second shots, and then walked over the putting green and kind of saw some some of our other guys. It was really a nice uh, a nice thing to to see some of our guys. Got to see um, Jack, Pat, and Will uh, work out on the on the driving range, which was really cool. And then go over the putting green. Saw some other, you know, I, I saw. I can't tell you how many guys I saw. It was it was just as you said. You come to these events and you, like. I can see now when you qualified, you come to these and you're like, who's the odd man out? Because it's a, it's a real boys club. These guys know each other from playing in college, playing all these events. I mean, there, are, there was more daps and bro hugs than I've, than I've seen, you know, ever. I mean, these guys know each other because they're, they're in it. So when someone like you, as you've said before, makes the, makes the cut, qualifies, and gets in, it's a – you're looking at these guys like, wow, these guys can play. And I finally understand what you talk about now, and, and, and I get that feeling that you get because you're like, these guys belong here because they all know each other. They all, they all do, and you're the guy that's left out. So it was, it was yeah, I, I got I, that little. I say it, it's a great little fraternity in a sense of yeah. these guys. They compete against each other, but they're also there to root each other on. I mean, they play in state events as as a new jersey team and they travel and they play and they're competitive um but they also have everybody's best interest in mind too when they're out there and i think that's the one thing that you know being fortunate to be in that arena once before it's you you get to see that and i'm glad you got to witness that firsthand yeah today. it's it's very different because as you know I, I didn't grow up playing competitive golf i, I grew up playing team sports so you're never rooting for the other team to do well you know, because because then your team's not doing well, obviously. So so seeing that in an individual sport, obviously these guys are competitive; they want to win. But it's not that it's not like that basketball, my team versus your team kind of thing. Um, it, it's it's a different it's different, and it's it's neat to see. It really is. It, it's really cool to to witness out here. And like I said, I, I, I usually make fun of you. You know, you like to say that you, that you kind of uh, knock it around a little bit or, or bunt it around is the word you like to use um, compared to these guys. And I get that now. I, I, I get what you're, you know, seeing, honestly, seeing Pat in like his, in his glory here was really cool. He's got his hat on, he's hitting balls. Jack, is, Jack has a wedge out and he is just throwing ropes out to the first fairway and bringing him back in on the driving range, just like having fun on the on the driving range, just getting loose. It was just just cool to see. It really was. It was it it was. But I, like I said, I, I get I, I get you now. I get what your I get your point in it. I still don't think you bunted around, but I get what you're meaning. <laughs> well, listen, comparatively speaking, we talk about this a lot. Right. Like. In terms of these guys, I bunted around. Yes. In terms of like when I go out and play with you or other friends that aren't aren't the competitive nature that these guys are, then yes, it's a different animal. But you know that's where they always say like comparison is a thief of all joy. So it's like trying to compare yourself or myself to what they do is, at the end of the day, truly an unfair thing. Right. 
I guess my biggest takeaway from like to that point is like they're so repeatable. Like it's such a repeatable thing for them. They, um, the the swing is always the same, uh, and, and even when it's not, like it's so it's so. I for, I don't know how I want to word it. Like, like watching. I'll give you this example. Like watching Jack on the range. He hits a couple, and then he hits a couple straight ones, and then he hits a couple that are gonna that are gonna draw, and then he hits a couple fades. And then he hits a, then he grabs, changes clubs. Then he hits a couple stingers, right? Then he's, then he's working on like really turning it over. And he's working, like just watching them work the ball is just, is the repeatability of it that they could do it over and over and over again. And like that's something that like, like I've talked, I've hit a straight drive, I've hit it on the on the screws, right? I've I've tried to turn it. And occasionally I can do that, but I can't do it with any regularity. And it's the it's the consistency and and again the repeatability that these guys have that they can just do it over and over and over and over again, is is impressive to see. It really is. Uh, you said last time that the the did you say fifteen? Did you include fifteen? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. The uh, last four. So I didn't I didn't get out there yet. Uh, when we're when we're done recording, I am going to go. I think there's going to be some guys on that side that I want to go see. Um, but I did walk 18. I didn't get to the tee box, but I was kind of in the middle there. I walked one uh, with uh, with Jack, Pat, and Will. And Pat made a – from my angle, I couldn't see how long it was. Looked like maybe a 25-foot 20, putt uh, for his birdie. Jack two putted for an easy tap in par. Um, unfortunately, Will Will three putted for bogey, but none of them went driver. None of them went driver on two, and the consensus I'm getting is that it's not until hole seven that you need driver. That that's that's a fact. I mean, listen, if you if you ask me where I thought would have been the first time someone hit driver it was seven, you know, because. A lot of uh, the front nine is really target golf. Yeah, it's all about placing your ball in the right spot. There's no need to hit driver on two, and there's no need to hit driver on four. Um, seven would be the first time you actually pull it out of the bag because it is a little more open and it's you know fire away. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, that doesn't. I guess I, I, as a guy that's played that course very often, it doesn't surprise me that seven was the first time you. They let the big dog eat. That's that's, and I don't know about that group, but that was just one of the people I talked to. They were, you know, they they couldn't hit driver on the driving range, uh, and then and then couldn't don't take it out for the first couple. So the first time you're hitting driver in in really days is is on seven, um, and um, it kind of yeah, got unless you start trouble. on ten. If you started on ten, if you start on ten, you hitting driver. Those guys would hit it on ten. They'd hit it on eleven. Yeah. And then they probably hit it on thirteen, maybe twelve. But like, if they, if you start the back nine, yeah, you're ripping, ripping, you're ripping driver. Yeah. So so again, if you're starting on one and you haven't hit driver, like that's, uh, I can see that if you're if, you know, it's the first time you have that driver swing. But man, Mike, let me let me tell you, this place is special. It's special here. It really is. Uh, it's beautiful. The course is playing hard. The rough is thick with five or six C's. It is really, really thick. And this morning, we got all that rain last night. It was very wet. So the rough was 
was thick and wet and not really, not really ideal for golf. Might be ideal for a Friday night, but not for a Monday morning golf round. And uh, I, I, I think the numbers were higher than I thought they'd be. If you get, if you get in trouble. I think what it was is it was super penalizing today. This at least this morning was. If you got into the rough, it was it was a stroke maybe more at in some points. Like that rough between 9 and 10, when I stepped, you I couldn't see my shoe. And and it's not like it's it's not like it's combed in a direction. It's like kind of gnarly. It's so uh, there was there was um, someone was looking for their ball when I was walking with Corey on 10. Uh, he ended up, he ended up finding it, but he was on the clock. Marshall put him on the clock to find it. Um, so uh, again, it was, it was, it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. And it's, it's, the green seemed to be running true. Uh, it, it's, it's hard. It's fast. It's, it's good. It's good here. Yeah. Listen, I, and I, and I think to your point, like, when you look at the scores, and obviously, you know, we're recording Monday afternoon, so, you know, by the time people listen to this on Wednesday, you know, if you listen to it even on Thursday, you'll know who have already won. But, like, the scores are not that low. And, and I had had that gut feeling a little bit that, like, hey, listen, the the greens are the defense of the golf course. And, the you know, if, if the greens can, you know, play some tricks. And you see that early on, like, you know, not many scores are are finished under par. Like, yes, there's a few, but there's way more that are above par. So I think that just shows the how hard the golf course is. Um, you know, listen, it's going to be a very, very interesting, very interesting 72 holes. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Mike, as you're talking, I pulled up the the golf genius. They got the live scoring, and I, I do think that the numbers are going to be lower this afternoon than they were in the morning wave. Because I think the course is going to dry out a little bit. And I think that'll help the rough. I think it'll make it easier out of the rough. Uh, yeah, but then you have to also play devil's advocate with that side of it because the harder it gets, the firmer the greens, the yep. firmer the fairways. So there is a little catch-22. 100% there is. But I also think these guys are so good that they'll get like they get a putt on line, it's not moving off the line. They they know where they're putting it. So if it's rolling true, they'll be able to knock some putts. And and uh, Brian Hart right now is four under through seven, um, and currently in the lead. So uh, let's I, talk about Stamberger's I, back nine. I, I do think that that they'll go lower. Yeah, Michael Stamberger was an animal on the back. An absolute five animal. straight. This listen, he comes off shooting thirty nine in the front. He bogeys four of his first five holes. His name was at the bottom of the leaderboard when I checked. Yep. Then all of a sudden, you know, you send me a text at Stammy's hot, so I go look and birdie ten, birdie eleven, birdie twelve, birdie thirteen, birdie birdie fourteen, five in a row, and then finish with a birdie on eighteen for a six under thirty on the back nine. His birdie like, on stupid. His birdie on eighteen also was almost an eagle. He almost hold it out from his from his fairway shot. And it's funny because I texted him and said, nice back nine. And he says, could have been lower. <laughs> I mean, it was really, I had one of those angles where I think it, I don't know how far, but it rolled right past the hole 
from my angle looking at it. I had a, a side angle. Um, yeah, he, he was he was hitting the golf ball well. And I'm trying to think, he parred nine, and I and that was a tap-in. He, he barely missed his birdie putt. He had a tap-in par uh, that was yeah, just I mean, inches listen, away. If you think about his round, he's four over through five holes. And then he plays, he plays seven under the last, what? Five holes. Thirteen holes. Thirteen holes. Yeah. Seven, Thirteen holes. He goes seven under. Yeah, it, that's like that's, it's good golfing, and th- I think that goes to my point of what I said last week to you about course knowledge and having an understanding about where to hit it, how to miss it, where's a good spot to be twenty feet rather than pin seeking. Like the guys that have that familiarity with the golf course, I think at the end of the day. It just helps. And no offense. I mean, a guy like Mike Stamberger, who's been a winner multiple times uh, in NJSGA events, like the guy knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And he rocks the old, he rocks the old Stu Hagestad long putter. Yeah, I saw that. All County Exteriors is a third generation premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business in a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. So I'm sitting in the men's grill room here doing my doing my recording. I'm looking at club champions. Do you see the name on there at 1988? I, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, you see that name pop up. Gerald. Gerald P. Porter. <laughs> Gerald yeah, I'll P. Poro. I'll send him, I'll send him your number. He'll have he'll have some choice words for you after that comment. <laughs> yeah, the the last I'm trying to look now. Uh, when Chris Hausen wins it in 2002. He goes on a run. So, so hold on. 2002, 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7. Okay, so one person. Then you have Kerr, James, and then Chris wins it again. And then you have the Walls go on a run. Ethan, I'm sorry, Jerry, Ethan, Ethan, Jerry, Ethan, 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 Jack. And then Chris, does that say Farron? Yep. Ethan, Jerry, and then Richard Simmons. So from 2002, you have one, two, three. Fitzsimmons. Uh, Richard Fitzsimmons. It's a little far away. It's a little tough for me to see. Uh, so from 2002, you have the Housens, you have Chris Housen, a wall, 
and there's one, two, three, four other people from 2000. So you have six people, six families, we'll call it, have won it in, in 21 years. That's, that's impressive, 20 years. So we'll see who, yep. who gets it this year. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool that, um, you know, I know that you, we had uh, Mr. Housen on, um, and I know Chris helped set that up, but, but this is, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that Chris went on such a tear there for a while. Mike, last thing that I took away from today. I counted, after I started noticing, I counted seven people that went left-hand low while putting. A couple of them were our guys. Uh, Pat goes left-hand low. Will goes left-hand low. Troy goes left-hand low. Corey goes left-hand low. I don't know if that's all their putts, but the ones I saw them putting. So I, I, I thought that was interesting. Are you trying to say that your game's going to start to correlate to I'm, what their game I'm is? I'm just saying. I go left-hand low as well, and, and I think I'm in good company with those <laughs> names. So. Well, now we need to get your name on the company that their names are. <laughs> uh, it, it was, again, uh, we'll, we'll be done with this, but it was really cool to be on here. Like I said, I, was, I, I caught myself. I was trying to stay off the tee boxes, the greens, and that kind of stuff, and I got, I got talking to some of our guys and was just standing next to them on the putting green, and I had to be like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't be standing literally on the putting green. So it was uh, – it's, it's really been pretty cool here. It's, it's really uh, a good event the, the state's putting on so far. Um, it's well organized. It's, it, they got signs all over. It's really, really a good job by them. So uh, we'll see what happens the next couple days. All right, Mike, so I got, I got an interesting topic here that I, I want to hear your thoughts on. If you are, it's not an exact question, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of explain it. When you're playing in a match with somebody and you're going to give them a putt, the idea of giving them a putt is that you think they're going to make that putt, correct? Yes. Yeah. So if you don't think that they're going to make that putt because they're a bad putter, should you give them those two-footers, three-footers? Or do you tighten it up? Do you tighten the screws a little bit there? Well, I think I think a lot of it is that's a tough question because I think if we're playing for money, I'm making you putt them because no offense, it's it's very competitive, and you know I want to win some extra coin, especially out of your wallet, um, because who knows? Last time you opened that damn thing, probably has cobwebs galore in that. Um, but if we're playing a social match and it's just you and I, I'm giving you fucking everything because that's less strokes I got to give you next time we play. All right, so I'd counter to that then. That's not where I thought you were going. But I'd counter to that saying like, uh, that I should have the right to not take the putt if I want to be able to miss it on my own. You don't have the right to do that. But then you, Once then, a putt's conceded, it's good. Then, then, it's good. Then you shouldn't be giving it's good. me five There's no, it's, no, it's good. If I say you have a 30-footer and we're playing match play, and I say that's good, check it up. By the rules of golf, the putt has been conceded. It's counted as a made. That's that's made putt. That's we're getting off topic now. That's something we got to come back to because that's because if you're gonna do that in like a friendly match so that my handicap gets better, so then in another time you could do it. That is that is diabolical, and you might be playing 4D chess with the with the handicap system there, and not just checkers. 
Um, yeah, listen, that's a little. It's it's like AP. <laughs> so <laughs> it's AP handicapping. Where where I was getting at was, if you're someone who is giving a stroke, right? You and I are playing, and I have a two footer that you would normally give me, right? Because that's that's a putt that you know I'm gonna make nine times out of ten, maybe. But if you're giving someone a stroke, should you give it to them? Should the person putting ex- be expecting it to be given to them? What are your thoughts on that? And where I come from is someone who was giving a stroke forced someone who was getting a stroke to putt out. The putt was a foot, foot and a half maybe, and they missed the putt. And he felt bad. The person who gave, made him putt it or is giving the stroke felt bad that they didn't, that he had to force them to, but he's like, this is why I'm giving putts. This is why I'm giving you strokes, I mean, because you're... I don't think... So he felt bad. The other person was, was a little, not angry, but after he explained it was like, uh, I get it, but like, you know, and... and so I'm wondering where you fall on this. Should there be some kind of expectation? And, and if, you're, if you're giving a stroke on a hole, the next one I would give, but not to tie the hole. Like if I'm going to win the hole, sure, you can have it. But that's, isn't that why we have the strokes? Yeah, listen, I think if anybody takes offense to a competitor or a playing partner not giving them a putt, shame on you. Shame on you. It's golf. The goal in golf is to put the damn ball in the hole as many strokes. I don't care if the ball's nestled in on the lip or if it's three-footer in a match. The reality is I'm putting the ball to make the putt. And if someone takes offense to that, I, what, what are we trying to do here? Like, don't, don't take offense to it. Just make the damn thing and shove it in my face. And when you miss it, don't feel bad that I made you putt it. Make it next time. And I think I think that's kind of like the thought process. Like I do understand that people feel guilty. Like I don't know if I want to make him. I feel bad. He's got an 18 incher or a two footer. Like he's probably going to make it. But no offense. Do you know how many times they miss that putt? That's, a lot. Right. That's why their handicaps so, at 18. Right. Yeah. Right. So put the thing in the hole, yeah. and then when you make it, I can say sorry. But when you miss it, I'm smiling with my back turned to you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think it's just like a because I don't very often give that many strokes to people because of where my handicap sits, and and when I would be giving strokes, it's not like it's anything official because people that I play with that I'm better than don't hold a handicap, so it's not like we can keep things even there. So like I, you know, if someone's a plus and playing someone who's a fifteen. They're giving them 16, 17, 18 strokes, whatever it is. So that's where their advantage is, is like that you have to make that. that uh, I, totally get, I totally get their side of it. If I'm the person who's forced to putt it, I get that um, I would be angry if when I miss the putt, and I said when, but uh, – I'm angry at myself. I'm not necessarily angry at the person. I'm angry at myself for not being a better putter. I might, I might 
push that anger off on somebody else. But ultimately, I think it's you're angry that you're not a good putter and that you missed a foot and a half putt. That's why you're angry. You're yeah, not you, necessarily angry at the person for not giving it to you. But, but you know deep down that if the roles were reversed, you would also not do the same thing and force them to putt it as well. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's completely selfish and unfair if you expect someone else to give you a putt that you would question giving somebody else. For sure. I, I, yeah, there's I no would, two ways to cut it. I would agree with like, you. Like, yeah. it's three feet. It's three feet. Make the putt. Yeah. Look at the tournament you're at today. Is anybody giving those two three-footers? Nope. No, and no offense. I'm sure they're missing one or two. Yeah. And I think that's... Because some- maybe in some other rounds they're giving it to them. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that we've talked about here where, like, if you're playing where, if you, you know, your handicap is going to get lower if you're constantly giving three, four, five-footers. And over the course of a round, even the best players are missing, missing four or five-footers. So giving giving those to the average golfer, your handicap is going to be lower than it should be because of that reason. It, it, it should be higher because you're going to miss. I remember I did the math. I missed seven putts that were conceded to me in, in one round. That's an, an average, I should say, of seven putts that were given to me. That your, your handicap is going up exponentially in, in, that, in that time. Let me rephrase that. I, like on an average of seven putts that I was given around, I missed three or four of those. So your handicap is going to go up by three or four strokes because you're given those and now you're forced to make them. So it, it's it's going to if you're constantly giving them, it's not going to work out in your favor. And and then when you go play in something that is more competitive, and you're playing with someone who is very good and super competitive you're not going to get those because you're not making those all the time. So, yeah, I ultimately it comes down to, yeah, I agree. It's selfish, and I, I don't think that anybody can be really – again, even if you are angry, I, I think you're angry at yourself for missing the putt and might be projecting it if you're angry at the other person because that's ultimately what it is. Because, again, as I said, if, it's, if the roles were reversed, you would not be angry. You would not be conceding that putt to someone who's – getting a stroke there absolutely and yeah, i don't think this is any i totally doubt, agree there i don't think this is any doubt to win the hole this is just to tie the hole uh, if if i'm giving you a stroke and you're going to win the hole and i'm going to give you a six inch putt you're you have to make that to win the hole again so this debate Listen, was all to tie the if hole. someone if someone says someone says otherwise you and i Whoever that person is will probably never play golf again. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone that's doing that is – I'm not – I'm going down with the ship. You're going to have to make every putt for a win. This is all, again, to tie. And then obviously if I'm going to win the hole, it doesn't really matter if you make the putt or not. I can give – as you said, I'll give you a 30-footer if I've already won the hole. Um, but, again, I, then we're getting into the bigger debate of the handicap, and I don't think we have enough time for that right now. So – Equity 3 Real Estate is a full-service commercial real estate brokerage management and development company based out of Paramus, New Jersey. Equity 3 Real Estate focuses heavily in northern New Jersey. They cover industrial, multifamily, office, retail, and vacant land properties, as well as specializing in medical offices. 
that manage over 400,000 square feet of varying property types for passive investors. Their clients range from small to mid-range building owners and larger brokerages. So if you're looking for the right team to help you win, go check them out at www.equity3re.com or give them a call at 201-261-4300. That's 201-261-4300. You won't be disappointed. Mike, you've obviously been at Manasquan for a while. We've, we've talked about that kind of in depth here. We were talking about the club champions before. What do you think is the biggest tournament at a club? Well, I don't think there's a debate here, to be honest with you. Club champion. Not even close. It's, it's the member guest, far and away. It's not even close. The member guest is the biggest one. Yep. Oh. The, the event that they, these guys put on for their member and a guest, whether it's a two-day thing, a three-day thing, on a four-day thing, whatever it ends up being, like that member guest that these club pros put on for the membership and then when the, the guests come, that is the number one event on the calendar because I think that is the time that you're showcasing your entire golf course you're showcasing the entire, you know, restaurant, dining, pro shop, range, hospitality, all included. That is the one time that it is all hands on deck for as many hours as these guys and, and women want to be there. Like whatever it ends up being, like that is the number one event where I think that it's like we hope for great weather. We hope for no problems. And let's just show off all the good things that we have. So I, I didn't think of it like that, but I think that's I think that's great logic is that you're showing off your course for a guest who someone has brought in uh, probably paid for them and is and is 100%. Like, uh, they're 100%. Yeah, your this is your your opportunity yeah. to see so the course and the club, not just the course, the whole club wants to be its best self. That's a great point. Uh, I, I guess out front, I would have thought the club champion because that's that's the best of the club. Like that's the the best player of the club, and it's for multiple days, multiple weekends, or whatever. But some people don't play in that because it's it's such a long process. It's a big commitment. Big commitment. It's a big commitment. And I'll tell you what, I think honestly, I wouldn't even rank club championship as a top one at a club. I would say the member guest is far and away number one. I think number two is the member member is whenever they have their two or three day event where it's them and another person, like, because it opens up the field to everybody. When you think about the club championship, it's a lot, it's like a lot of other things. Like, yes, I know there's different flights. I understand that, but we all know at every club, it's the big board. It's the, who's the club champ? Who's the best of the best? And the reality is like that 15 handicap is not going on the big board. Right. He's not. And there's no disrespect to that, but it's just not happening. So as, so I as think we you're started before, to... there's a small group of people who are gonna who are aiming to win. Right, right, and that and that's if the regular field all plays in it, because sometimes guys don't play in it, which is why some people don't win in a certain year, even though they've won it x amount of times in a row. So to me, like I think it's the member member would even be number two, because it opens the field to everybody. It's a fun two, three-day event, 
you know, you're out there with a friend who's also a member, you're competing, you're having fun. It's a very social scene amongst the people you play and see on a daily basis at the club. Yeah, I I can't argue that. And and I don't know if if either of us have any big uh like yours is really just here at Banasquan. You know, you don't have any knowledge of of any other courses. I don't really know of of any, but I'd be curious as to what other people think at their clubs. You know, what is what does Pat think at Hamilton? What does um, now I'm blanking on who we've had on and where they're members. <laughs> uh, where does where does Will think at Rockaway? Where does Jack think at or is Jack at Rockaway? Jack at Rockaway um, and Will at Arcola. Like where do, where do those clubs? Like maybe it's different there at those clubs, you know, or maybe there's even some like inner club tournament that they have that's bigger than that. Like they hold more prestigious than any of the others, you know, like, I don't know. Just an interesting question. It kind of came up. I, I, I don't know. I think your logic is very sound for the member guests. It's always a big one. It's always multiple days. And, and for the reason, like I, like you said, you're showing off your club. Yeah, listen, you're inviting a guest who may be out of town. He may be coming to stay with you or at a local hotel. The wives and the families are coming down for the weekend or the long week. You know, you're going out to dinner. You're getting a caddy. Like, you're, you're treating the guest to an experience that maybe they don't always have. And with that does coming, like, the ego side and the showing off side, which then correlates to the golf course wanting to do the same thing. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. It really is. That's one for the for the little guy. One for the little guy. You said good point, so I get a point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's one point. You said a good point. I got one point. I did. <laughs> All right, so yeah, even the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then. The sun's always shining here. I got a nice tan working right now. You do. You do look dark. All right, so there you have it. If you have any thoughts on member, member, member guests, club champion, something else, you know what? Maybe Mike, let's let's put it as a poll. Let's put it as a poll up there this week. I think that's a I think that's a good poll to put up there. But that'll be something something interesting to uh, to put up. Let, let us know. And and honestly, you want to DM us? Let us know your reasons. Um, that that's again, I didn't think of your point. I thought for sure, club champion. As I was as I had this thought in my mind, but now I'm sold. It's, it's member guests, in my opinion. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. But again, interested to see what other people are. But that's going to be all for us today. Um, we're going to send you now to our interview with Mega Gane. Again, just finished her freshman year at Stanford. Huge name in women's golf. She's going to be a long-standing fixture in, in women's golf for, for a long time to come. So uh, make sure you give it a listen and enjoy. Cheers. Celebrating its 10-year anniversary, Matera's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door. Imported retail products, cheeses and cold cuts, freshly baked bread, and the creamiest fresh mozzarella. All can be ordered on the Matera's On Park app in Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. 
So give them a follow on Instagram at Matara's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao, Matara's. You'll walk in a stranger, leave his family. So today's guest is a hometown hero here. I think a lot of people in the Monmouth County, Ocean County area know her very well. She graduated from Homedale High School. She's a two-time member of the Curtis Cup team. She was the AJGA Rolex Player of the Year in 2021. She was the low amateur at the United States Women's Open in 2021, where she finished tied for 14th. She currently is enrolled at Stanford University. Today's guest is Mega Gane. Mega, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for jumping on, Mega. Mega, I think for a lot of people, you know, that year of 2021 is something I think that stands out a lot, you know, in terms of that U.S. Open and seeing that smile of yours just like just roam around the golf course, knowing that it was just like effortless, careless, and you're really just a kid out there having fun. But before you even dive deep into that part of it, like, why don't you tell a little bit about your background, how like you got involved with the game of golf? Because I know, you know, even having two little girls myself, trying to get them involved with golf and making them understand it's not something that's boring. It is fun. Mm -hmm. It is. How um, old are they? 11 and eight. Okay. Um, That's right around where I started. Yeah. The way I get them out there and, and listen, it's not, it's not anything I'm sure like what you do. Okay. But it was, yeah. if I can get them on the golf cart and riding around driving the golf cart, getting ice cream after like, that's a win for me. Yeah, but absolutely. I think, I think, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and how you got started? Yeah. I mean, kind of the same way. Um, I have a sister too, Serena and my dad brought me and her to um, Galloping Hills, I think was the first place we went. And I mean, I think it's pretty hard to get engaged. It's like seven, eight years old, which is when I started. So I think it was just like the cart rides and like the snack bar and stuff like that. Um, and I don't think I really fell in love with the sport just because it's it's pretty complex to understand in the mind of like a seven-year-old until like a lot later. I think I just liked tournament play because I met so many friends and I was always competitive. But I think like I really fell in love with golf when I was older, probably 13, 14 years old. That's interesting because I, I wanted to know when that clicked for you, because I know mm -hmm. Mike's been doing that with his daughters. And I know that, you know, we've had other people. Um, we had Ami on a few weeks ago and she talked about getting involved in and her start in golf as well. And that like when it clicks at what age to to get its hooks in you on on like this is golf and I enjoy this this is what I want to do this is my passion this is what a I'm good at naturally but b I like working at it as well and and I can do something with it so what was it about 13 14 that kind of got you you know golf got its hooks in you so to speak yeah I, mean, I think it had its hooks in me pretty early um I think like I liked I like just I just like how social it was and I mean it's it's like for me, it was really social because I just did a bunch of summer camps and girls golf and um, my coach used to run like a first tee chapter. So like I was just constantly around kids and I think I really liked that part of it. And then competition was really fun. Like US kids, nine holes with my dad on the bag every weekend. Like they used to have the fall, summer, spring tours. So it was something like just racking up medals. I think there was only like five or six girls playing and they gave medals to the top five. So I felt like I was always, <laughs> I was, I was always bringing, I was always bringing the hardware home. So I think that was really like what hooked me. I don't think like, like, like the grind and 
like what golf really is like to me now didn't hit in until I was a little more mature. Um, but once it did, I loved every part of that too, just working at making yourself better. And yeah, it's addicting. Yeah. I mean, that I think that's the hardest part is finding that thing to click so that you stay addicted more or less in, in a positive way. I know that mm-hmm. that work can be spun a different way, but obviously, you know, you know, real quickly before you even started to talk about, but like your high school career was kind of derailed a little bit by, by COVID and, and not being able to play as much, but that, that obviously didn't stop you from playing summer tournaments and being competitive and then eventually getting on a national scene. Like what was that like going through COVID to, you know, wrapping up your high school career with really not even having a high school girls golf season for you? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that, I think it like, I don't think there was any downsides to golf, golfing in high school with COVID just because like I was like online school. So, and the golf courses didn't shut down for too long. And like, I had all of this time that I had never had to practice. And I felt like I was homeschooled for like two years um, without being homeschooled actually. So I think it was an advantage. Like, I think it was like a great stretch of time. And I found like so much more time to play 18 holes, like multiple, multiple times a week. And yeah, just like I put in so many hours over those years, like 2020, 2021. Um, and I think like the results of that started showing later on in those summer events. Yeah. And I think that helps when you're like a, when you're starting to mature at a younger age and start to understand managing your time, like you clearly mm-hmm. you know, are exhibiting that by explaining like, yeah, I got my schoolwork done, but then I also was able to crop out a lot of time to, to work on the sport that I love to play, which obviously leads you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll share it. So uh, I worked at Colts Neck Golf Club and, and obviously you oh, were there. I didn't know for, that. Oh, you didn't know? (laughs) (laughs) That'll make this story even better. That will certainly. So I, yeah. So I worked there with, uh, with Jeff for probably going back to like 2017 and then through. That's probably uh, right where I started there. So I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember you um, being, being really little, like maybe even eighth grade or. uh, Maybe younger. Yeah. And, and your dad taking yeah, you out there as like I'm trying to clean up the carts and your dad wants to jump on a cart and go out to three and just like drop 15 balls at, at you know 100 yards and let you hit them in and, and um you always had that uh that like it always seemed like you enjoyed it it wasn't like you know a father trying to drag her you know his daughter to to do this and be good at this but then watching mm-hmm. you grow up from in in COVID and playing against like coming and hitting balls at the range and putting in the, and the putting green and playing in those matches against the boys that were your age. Um, you know, I know Ethan Lee was one of them and, and I can't remember some of the other boys names, but like you not backing down, like we're playing the tips. I, I just remember having a conversation, not, I wasn't having the conversation. You were having the conversation. I overheard it. And you saying like, I'm not playing, I'm not playing up. We're playing for the tip. It was just like, like how you said it was just so, yeah, I'm playing from back there and we're all playing from back there. It was just like such a, there's the competitor in you from, from years and years ago. It was a very cool thing. Oh, I did uh, not know you worked there. That's funny. Yeah. It was was funny. So actually when we were at Liberty national, we got to, we ran into your dad 
Mm-hmm. And I had, I just gave him a hello and a wave and he gave me a look and he's like, I know that guy, but I don't know from where. And then as we <laughs> followed you like through the hole, it, he, it like, I, you know, I caught him again. I said, Hey, you know, how, how are you? You know? And I said, I work there. He's like, that's right. I knew I recognized you. And we were having a yeah. conversation down 18, but um, I didn't actually know what you guys fully looked like, but I saw you on the hole and I was like, that's gotta be them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, that was like a spur of the moment thing for us. We had tried to, to get up there and see if we were fortunate to get in front of Michelle Wee. And then like you were up there, it was like, God, this ended up being like, it all like happened so quickly. It was like, man. So once we literally, Ryan said, like once we finished the interview, it was like, mm-hmm. let's go see where Mega is and see if we can watch a few of her holes. And it was like. It was perfect timing because you were coming down 17. You were probably teeing off on 17 right as we were finishing the interview. So I was like, oh, okay. Mega's got to be right around like 16, 17. If we walk down 18, and just kind yeah. of work our way back we can like let's watch a hole like we got mm-hmm. we got time to watch so it was it was really cool to do that now yeah, so, that, yeah. that's actually funny because i, I want to kind of transition into that liberty national um how the u.s open for you must have been i i would got to think is on your mount rushmore of things you've done already but how cool was it playing at Liberty National, especially after the Golf Week article comes out that you used to sneak on there, you take a picture of the security guard and that kicked you off a whole bunch of times. And like, what is that? It, does that rival it? Or like, what was that experience like? Is that that must have been really special for you? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, the course is really special to me. It's like there's like a lot of childhood memories around golf and not not around golf, too. So uh, when I heard they're having an event there, I was like, that's going to be great. And like the, the whole event was amazing with AJGA players and how it was ran and Michelle hosting it. Like I knew it was going to be a good one. Um, and then I got an exemption into it too. So I was like, okay, that's really nice. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That works out well. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a really busy time of year because it was like finals and I just finished playing in nationals. So it was a lot, but I'm glad I went, glad I played tried my hardest and got to win watch Rose win at the end of the week so yeah uh again transitioning to Rose how awesome has it been for you to see your friend and teammate and have a a a front row seat into her rise as to what's what's gone on in the last uh it's tough to even say year it just seems like a couple months but how how awesome has that been for the last year to see yeah, it's been good. I mean, I think if you really follow her career, it's been way more than just a few years. And um, I feel like people could have seen this coming all the way back from when she was just, you know, a freshman in high school. And I always knew that she was going to do incredible things. But at first, like, I just sometimes I really forget that she's like the player she is just because we're such good friends. And I see her in class and practice and all that stuff. So I'm just really happy for her and very grateful I got a year with her at Stanford because I've learned so much and the best way to learn is to surround yourself with players like that so yeah great experience 100 percent. yeah that that's that's got to be something just like uh, you know she's your friend so you do you know typical college things with her and then also then you know you turn on the tv and she's winning a tournament like that that mm-hmm. juxtaposition's got to be you got to be an interesting one to live in it is yeah like I've, I've, can, never, I've never had a friend that I just turn on and she's always on there. So especially the last, <laughs> especially the last few weeks. So um, yeah, it just, it just feels weird that. 
Yeah, nonetheless, here yeah. in New Jersey, like she's mm-hmm. winning at Liberty National. And then you turn on the KPMG and she's over at Baltusrol. It's not even like yeah. it's all around the country. She's like home, more or less, mm-hmm. here, doing yeah. it here. Yeah, really happy for her. She's, she's going to be and, great. And do you, when you see Rose do these types of things, mm-hmm. like, no offense, I don't think you're that far off to someone, some of the things that she can do. Like, I think you have the ability to to do something special as well. Like seeing her have the amount of success. And like you've said, it's been basically her whole career. When she stepped into college, she just kept winning everything and anything. So it was like, if you had any clue as to what was going on, you probably saw the writing on the wall that she'd come out to Liberty National and if not contend, maybe even win. And the fact that she did that at KPMG too, it was like, like, does that motivate you too, as an individual saying like, wow, like I know Rose, I've played against her. I've beaten her. Like I can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, I think like that's, what's been so cool about being on the Stanford team is like every player feels like you learn so much from every player and like whatever facet of career path they go into, like they're achieving greatness and to know that you're in the right place, doing the right things and living literally like identical lives to these people. It's, it seems very, a lot more attainable um, than you would think. And like, you know, those dreams start turning into goals. So it's just a really good environment to be in. And yeah, she's obviously been a really big role model for all of us. And um, hopefully like me and a lot of my teammates will be out there contending with her in the future. Yeah, I think you're on that path as well. Is that the plan? <laughs> I have, I, I is hope that so. Is that the plan? That is the plan, yes. Good. For now, but you know, plans can change, but that is the yeah. plan for now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it, but I, I just didn't know if like, if those aspirations for you are like, that's my goal is to get on the LPGA tour and, and play. Yeah. I mean, I think I put so much time to the sport that it'd be nice to see at least for a little bit, what what's past that on the professional level. So that's definitely something that's um, in the books one day. When has that, uh, when did that become more of a, you said the word attainable just a minute ago. And I like that you used that word because it, it, it has to be, because uh, again, you're going up against Rose every day in practice and, and in tournaments. And, you know, if you're, if you're neck and neck with her or you're beating her in practice, it, it's like, Oh, I can do this too. And then she goes on to do what she's doing. You're like, why can't I do that again? Attainable. I think is it, when did it become, you know, a, a little girl dreaming about playing professional golf to like, this is the goal. And, and I'm on track to do this barring something, you know, something to make it turn left. Honestly, I think I've always thought it was attainable. Um, even when it like, there was nothing really, there was no like bricks layered to make it seem like that was going to happen. I, <laughs> I think I knew like I, when I put my mind to something, it's very possible. And yeah, I mean, I think my biggest goal was always getting into Stanford and that's literally since I was 11 years old. You could, you could ask my coach that. I think I told her that when I was 11 and she was like, okay. And then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I ended up going. So, I mean, like all of this has definitely never been, it never has seemed too far-fetched. And um, it really can't, if you are working to do it one day, it can't seem like something that's impossible because it's not. And, you know, you just got to stay focused. I, I like that. And and for someone of your talent to like that matches, like, you know, you have some people like, yeah, I want to play professional. And then, 
you know, and then they go see what else is out there. You you can't play professional when you're shooting 120. Like that's just, you know, it's going to be really tough to have that be attainable. But for someone that has your like natural ability, plus your work ethic, plus your competitive drive, and you add that all up. Yeah. As, as a little girl say, this is what I want to do that. You can put your mind to it. You can do that for sure. Mm -hmm. And then what, obviously you knew at such a young age that Stanford was your spot right? Like, I'm assuming that, like, what, I, I guess I'm not even assuming, like, what is the draw for someone here in New Jersey that all of a sudden you see Stanford at 11 and you're like, you know what, dad, I'm going there. And dad's like, yeah. Or your coach is like, yeah, okay. Like, what's the draw at 11 that you know that you're ending up at Stanford? I mean, I just, besides not, it being not, a great school, like right, I know it's a great it school. Stanford, yeah. I know it's Stanford. I know not it's to hate on New Jersey, but yeah, I, I no, did not like the weather. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, it's, I, I think, totally get all the pros, but like yeah. at 11 for you to be so confident, hey, listen, this is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. What was it? I think, so, I mean, the school itself, like I, like I always really had like, I always was like, even though I was like little, little, I was like, oh, like what's Harvard, Yale. And like, I didn't know what anything would entail to like get into a place like that. But Stanford, obviously it's like, you know what that means um, apart from the golf stuff. But then when I started playing in tournaments, like I think what really did it was looking at the recruits that Stanford had and it would always be, and in the current players too, like I remember Alban Valenzuela and Andrea Lee and then Rose and Rachel and, all these players that were older than me and like going there was like, they were like the amount of respect they had from everyone, just for the type of person they are, the player they are, the way they carried themselves was just, you could tell there was a difference when someone said that they were going to Stanford. And like, it was just the reputation that these players carried. And like, you could tell what coach Walker was trying to achieve when she was recruiting these players. And I was like, I really want to be part of that. And that was really obvious, even when I was really young, and even the way they treated me, you know, I was a really young player and it's easy to be like, just ignore someone when you're playing in a practice round with them. But anytime I saw them at breakfast or on the range or anything like that, they would always take the time to be really kind and um, anything you would want someone to be that you look up. So I recognize that and I was like, that's really, really where I want to be. So, and I'm happy at click. Yeah, that's a very, honestly, that's a very mature take because most, honestly, some kids, boys or girls would look at that and say listen these girls or these guys are way too good I'm going to go somewhere where I can be the top dog and not feel pressure at anything but you know you being okay to stepping into an arena like that with those types of names and then being accepted like definitely validated your 11 year old thought about going to Stanford that's for certain yeah and I'd say my my dad and Katie my golf coach also saw that for me when I was little so um, it was like a, it was like a group goal, I'd say. I I think it shows your maturity with, like how you talked about it. Like yes, it's got great golf and and all these, uh, all these phenomenal recruits. But then you talk about how how the girls would come up to have breakfast with you and talk with you. It shows they're they're well rounded, and I think it shows your well roundedness and maturity to see that, recognize it, and then and I'm sure going into this next season flip that and do the same thing is to be a sophomore and kind of mentor those freshmen that are coming in. You'll go say hi at breakfast and you'll be that again, the, the person you are, but I think that shows to the kind of your maturity and the program that your coach there is building. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's or just, has built, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just has like really good values, worth ethic and all that stuff just clicks. And I think that's why we all get along so well because we value the same things. And I think like a lot of Stanford students do, even non-athletes. So um, there's definitely a vibe there that I was like, I need to somehow be a part of this. Do you think you'll be there all four years? Definitely. I'd be there for longer if I could. (laughs) (laughs) Mega, I'd like to move on to your game a little bit. And I I want to do a little self-scouting here. I I know um, when we texted a little back and forth um, that you weren't terribly thrilled with your showing at Liberty National. So what, what kind of state of your, what's the, what's the strongest part of your game right now? And what are you working on right now to, to kind of get to bring up the, the lower parts of it? Um, I don't think there's any low parts. I think there's, there's other stuff that can be love that. I love okay. that. There I, love, you go. I love that. Because <laughs> I can give you a laundry list of the lows and I got maybe a high on my side. So and I, I was just, confidence. I was just trying to not use the word like weak parts of your game. Yeah. So I went with lowered. You're like, yeah, so, I don't have any yeah, lower. What are you talking about? Next, que- next question, yeah. please. It's really like, <laughs> next question, please. No, I would say I, that's a good segue into what my answer was going to be. It's I think, uh, the biggest part of my what makes me good is like my optimism on the golf course and I think I'm like that in all parts of my life and um just like having good confidence which confidence comes from worth ethic too and if you have a lot of trust in yourself um and what you've been working on I think like it's really easy to go into a tournament and feel way better over the golf ball so I would say my preparation and then in the moment like I would say level-headed and very optimistic positive um and that goes a long ways because if you have that and you're not playing well like you can usually salvage a much better round than you know most people can um that's my biggest edge and then if we go to like actual golf game I would say um I, I would say like I, I feel pretty solid all around right now I did a lot of work on my ball striking over the winter um I really wanted to learn how to hit it higher and softer kind of um, after playing in last year's Augusta National Women's Am, I, that course just brought out a lot of like takeaways for me to be like, okay, I really need to hit the ball higher if I want to be able to hold some of these greens when the conditions are this windy and hard. Um, and so I really worked on that with my coach, made not crazy swing changes, but just a couple. And my ball striking got a lot better in the spring season. So that was a big thing. And right now I would say, I'm just focusing on putting reps in short game over the summer. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about Augusta National too. You know, because I think anytime that we have a guest on here that has had the opportunity to play there, it's like everybody talks about it with such high regards and being two guys that like vicariously lived through people who've been there, played it. Like obviously you played very well there this year, another top 10 finish like what is that experience like stepping on those grounds there? That one's intense. I will say like, that feels like one of the hardest cuts that you have to make um, 70 for three, but the stakes are so much higher because it's Augusta national. And that one's really hard. I missed, I missed the cut two years in a row and it was tough because the timing of the year I came out of winter in New Jersey. And then on top of that, I didn't feel like my golf game was well suited to that that first golf course yet um so I was like did some introspection and I was like how do we get there um 
And yeah, that one's, that one's, that's, it's just such a great event. You, it's really difficult. I think people don't focus enough on how demanding that first golf course is because it's two different courses, correct? Yeah, it is. It's like Augusta national. And then it's like the retreat course, if I'm correct. Yeah. Champions retreat. We play the first two days and then only the top 30 make it to Augusta. Um, so, I mean, the whole tournament's kind of those first two days. And then that last that. one is like the tree. Yeah. 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 The retreat is where the first two days are. And then like, if you make the cut, like then it's like, now you get to go play on like the hollowed grounds of like of Augusta. And that's why like the making the cut is the biggest deal. Yeah. And you yeah, play so very I, well the final round. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was, I, it was get, a good I, three listen, days. I don't know if, in my eyes, if I saw that number and I shot that number, I'm running around with throwing a party for everybody. I don't know if you're, <laughs> yeah, happy it was a, it was a good round. It was a good round. And the conditions were tough because there was like a rain delay and then yeah, it was it awful. super windy. Yeah. It was, it was a good three days and I was happy with it. Everything that I wanted to see improve in my game did that week. So it was a good one. Yeah. And if you take out that one, I mean, in the, I, I can't remember if it was your first or second round, like the front nine, you were scorching hot. You made one double or something, but still had like five, four or five birdies on the front alone. Mm-hmm. Had you taken that out, like who knows what that first day would have been like, mm-hmm. even though I but, think you yeah. still shot 68 or 70, like you're still two or three under. No, I was, anyway. I was, I was still fighting to make that cut on the second day. And I, I made a few pars to open and then I made a double. And, and then like, four, okay. and four then, in a row. Though. And then four birdies in a row. Cause I was like, yeah. you can't, can't be making devils today. <laughs> uh, and then what was it like in that final round, like being on those grounds? Obviously we see it all the time on TV and we could sit here and talk mm-hmm. about all the different holes. Like what was it like experiencing? It was, it was amazing. I'll always remember it. Um, hopefully I have some more in the next few years, but it was good. It was a little different from the last few years because the delay came. So then all the patrons had to leave. So for a moment there, it just felt like a, I was playing a, like a regular round of golf. Cause there was no one, no one on the grounds, but it was a uh, regular round. Regular round. <laughs> yeah. Regular round of Augusta. Um, it was super cool. I had my coach in the bag and I think we said to each other, like, this is the least we've ever spoken <laughs> because we were just like, we were just walking the fairways, not saying a word to each other. Um, just in cool. awe, I'm sure. Yeah, in awe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's that's crazy. And then obviously now, when you look ahead to next year with that tournament specifically, like does it, are there top, since you were top 10, is it an automatic re-invite next year? Or just how does that, how does that invitation come about? That invitation comes, you have to be ranked a top 30 American in Wagger. And then the other... I think the other 30 are like the next from whatever country you're from. And then there's usually some like committee invites. I think there's, I don't know. So like does your top 10 10? automatically get you in? No, I don't think there's anything. I think you have to be, yeah. Not that I know of. Gotcha. Yeah. You're crazy. I was going to, I was looking at something different. I have actually the wagger up as I was doing research to like put our, questions together I, I kept the wagger up and i was looking at um something where you finished t21 but i see that you're 76 in wagger right now okay yeah I does that mean i don't does really that mean there. something to you does, i was just gonna say is that that mike that's crazy because that's exactly where i was going as <laughs> i say you were 76 is that something that you care about don't care about do you hate that i just asked that like what's the what's the <laughs> feeling there is like <laughs> no of course i don't hate i uh i just don't really 
I don't, I've never really cared. I'm kind of just like, you know, tell me if I'm ever number one, but that's about it. Um, Cause it just, it varies a lot. And there's a lot of variables that go into that. And yeah, I don't, I don't think rankings mean much. I care just more about event to event. Um, it obviously matters when you want to make things like the Curtis cup and stuff like that. So, or, you know, qualify for these types of events. But um, as long as you're within those lines, which I've been lucky enough to be, I don't really check the, the I think that that goes to your, you know, you talked about like being optimistic on the golf course. I think that's just your whole attitude. Like I would gather that you're just like, okay, I'm 76. If I'm playing well, that number is going to go up and it's just going to, it's going to do whatever it's going to do. Like those pins will fall where they may, as long as you're doing what you need to be doing. And, yeah. and I think that's such a great attitude. Like some people would get caught up in, in like that number. And then it only makes the pressure of, certain things multiply exponentially when you think about, okay, I got to hit this putt to finish in the top 10. And if I finish in the top 10, then I get X amount of wagger points and then I can get invited back next year. And then if I finish, yeah. top, like you just, you No, I'm not, I'm not, that build... how those calculations work. So <laughs> I'm not doing that in my head. <laughs> right. I someone, someone from Stanford's not smart enough to do something. <laughs> yeah, okay. I <laughs> yeah. But I think just, I think that like someone who doesn't have your attitude can, like when you look at like some of the people in golf that have um, that are, that are great players, but they, it doesn't necessarily trans uh, translate. I would think that that's maybe the biggest one is that mental side of like not being able to, to wash those things away. Like you can say, okay, 76, like I'm going to play well and it'll go up, you know, like that, that kind of attitude, I don't think everybody has. And I think that separates kind of the, the, the wheat from the chaff kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I would say like there's probably I I would think there's few people who I know that really get attached to any of those numbers um but I may be wrong I feel like a lot of uh, most people don't really pay attention to it Good. yeah we've had we've had but, some guys on that have have said they swear by it like they're oh always, okay like, yeah which is okay which is, never mind, I, I mind then <laughs> but no but it's not it's, no you, but I wonder uh, if that's right, a men like it, a men's it might be thing. a men versus women thing like it might it just maybe there's yeah. one person or two people that are like Maybe trying not. to get maybe my, maybe my sample size may be skewed yeah yeah but but it is important though because it is how you get into a lot of events and i think that's what it matters to a lot mm -hmm. of people like if they're yeah. not you know no offense i think your resume and you, what you've done is on a much higher scale than some of the people that we have talked to so like getting into certain things or making certain teams is a lot more difficult for them mm -hmm. so they're always yeah. stalking it knowing that the pressure is truly on them to finish well so that they can move up in the rankings. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I, I, I guess I'd be remiss to not ask, you know, I know Ryan had put this little sheet together about the New Jersey women's open that, that took place mm -hmm. and they finally, you know, had their inaugural one. And was there a reason that you did not participate in it or. Yeah. I was any, really sick for. Like, I, yeah. A, I knew a when you mentioned time. at the yeah. top, I figured that might've been the reason. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was, I was thinking, I did think about playing it, but it, it wasn't even a question. I just wasn't feeling well, so didn't have the chance. Yeah. What do you think about them finally doing that, though? It's super cool. Yeah. I was I was, I was was following the leaderboard, and yeah, it seemed like a good event. What course was it at again? It was at uh, Montclair. 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 Montclair, yes. Yeah. I wish I could have played, but 
There was nothing. Well, nothing they might, no, they but, might but, not have been. They might yeah. not have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, and glad. I mean, you said that at the top. I, I don't. I don't remember if it was right before we got started or whatnot. But glad you're feeling better, and and you said it's been quite a while. So glad you're glad you're up and running. Thank you. Yeah. How do you how do you decide to play in like you said you would have played in it had you been feeling well? Mm-hmm. Are there certain things like as you're that you're looking at like when you're putting your summer schedule or or even late spring or you know early fall or your schedule together outside of your college golf season? How do you decide what to play in or or how to play? Uh, in certain things is there a, a rhyme or reason do you look at the field uh, obviously sponsor exemptions come into play but kind of walk us a little bit through that process there for you I think before college it was different because I was playing I was choosing a lot more of them but now that I'm in school like the spring and fall season are so busy like I kind of want some downtime in between um, so as of right now I'm pretty sure the only thing certain that I'm playing is the USAM in August Okay. Uh, so I, I try to keep it to just a few ones that I want to play and yeah. And then exemptions come into play too. And usually never really turn those down. So <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, I did us open qualifying, but didn't, I was again, really, really sick. So I did not qualify there. It was did, close though. I was going to ask you that question. Yeah. Like, cause obviously <clears throat> I was looking at it and I know that when we talked to Michelle, she had mentioned that, you know, she was mm-hmm. looking ahead because obviously Pebble Beach iconic venues mm-hmm. mattered to her. Like I, you did try to qualify and just, you did not. Is that what ended up happening? Cause I honestly, yeah, I stopped, it was I probably, really the, it was like a week over week after the Mizuho. And um, yeah, I just had a high fever, but I played through it. I was two under and I think six under made it. And where'd you try so, qualifying at? Uh, Massachusetts. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah that's, I honestly I saw the words there was one I want to say at Echo Lake here in New Jersey and I think I was I was looking at that one and yeah, I, I was at school during that one so so yeah that kind of makes sense I then I was looking at the one out in California it's like maybe she was at school and I, but yeah yeah tried is not a not yeah a I was, I was to try gonna to ask qualify thirty yeah I was gonna old. ask you about that one being out there because obviously California Pebble Beach the you know the venue itself would would make a lot of sense kind of kind of coming full circle and going back to where we were talking about like if if you now where you are and and the events that you've played the level of golf that you play if if you could go back and and tell whether it's you as a little girl or other little girls now what's the what's the best piece of advice that you could give to someone who's who's 11 12 13 years old just kind of getting um getting involved in golf just getting started in golf or maybe even hasn't fully gotten its we'll go back to the word it's hooks uh golf hasn't gotten their hooks in them yet what was what would be some advice that you would give I think I would tell I don't I feel like I really liked what I was thinking when back when I was younger so I don't know if I would have <laughs> in <and> mess anything <laughs> up but probably just to probably just to like really celebrate your highs and not get too low about your lows um because golf's like you're gonna have so many so many successes and so many failures that it's really exhausting to like read too much into all of them um so I think like when you have a good week you know enjoy it like you know remember those moments create good memories and if you don't just know you're gonna have so many more and just don't read too far into things because it's it gets exhausting to do that so but I think I did I did a pretty good job of that when I was younger 
um, which is why I feel like I never ever felt burnt out or anything like that. And it always remained fun. So that's what I would tell myself. That's that's terrific advice because golf is full. Like every shot, there's a high and a low. So, mm -hmm. so you could go. Most of the time low for us. I was going to say, there's a lot of lows. You could have, you could have 90 lows in a round, you know, in theory. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that that's great advice. That really is. And I also, I also think too, is like, for for someone like you that i think you know when when i talk to a lot of like you know different people that play high school golf like when they when your name comes up whether it's boys or girls like you're someone that they can resonate with that you're kind of like a local kid that has gone on to big things and and kind of seeing that like your joy when you're out there playing like you're somewhat like of a role model to them that like hey listen look i can do it i can be having fun while i'm out there on the golf course um, you know, I think that means a lot to a lot of kids not to, to make it look like it's still a cool thing to do, because I think, especially for some of the females, like they look at it, like golf has a bad, maybe a bad rap. It's not fun. It's not cool. But then when they see you out there having fun, enjoying it, socializing, it's like, all right, well, maybe, maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enjoying it's already always been a big part to me. And, um, I try to like, definitely wear my emotions on my sleeve and when I'm happy people know it and I try to like always embody that because like it's just a good message to send like whether you want to do golf or whatever it is like whatever you choose to do should be making you that happy and sh you should be enjoying it so yeah I just I just yeah it's good yeah. listen it's a great it's it's a great thing to have I I wish I could be like that and be more happy on the golf course and not feel like I have to go shoot something unbelievable every single time because that I need that. Right. Right. I need some of that positivity and that optimism and that smile because we know that I'm, I'm not like that all the time. Next, next uh, time. That's my goal is your caddy. When next time we play Mike, um, I think that but, is great advice though, Megan, like enjoy it. We don't, it, you wouldn't work hard at something you don't love. And if you're working hard at it, you clearly mm -hmm. love it. So enjoy it. Enjoy yeah. when you're successful. Enjoy even just the opportunity to be playing it. I, I think I think that is yeah, absolutely. Really Megan, to kind of, you know, I always like to ask one question at the end um, about golfing in the Garden State because obviously Ryan and our our goal is to like, you know, travel the state, play golf, talk golf, and just really just enjoy it as much as we can. From your perspective, who's played a lot of different spots here in the state, like, is there one spot, both public and private, that you would recommend someone like, hey, listen, if you get the opportunity to go play, like, you've got to go find a way to do it. Is there two spots on the public mm. and private side that you'd recommend? Okay, I got to think about it. I've been, I've been very, very lucky. I feel like I've I know most really cool places in New Jersey and New York. But um, Bayonne is always my favorite. I think it's definitely my top five. <laughs> It's one I of my top God, five. That's, in, my, like, that's everywhere. my bucket list spot. Like I say yeah. all the time, like I don't care what it costs me. Someone just throw me on there as, as a random guy. <laughs> yeah, I really like that one. Um, other than the public, I, I honestly have not played too many. I mean, I've obviously played like when I live, used to live in Jersey City, like Galloping Hills, Leak Wake, Ashbrook, and. I think that's pretty much it. And then here I've only ever played at Colts Neck um, in Ho now that I live in Homedale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then practiced at Matita Conk. Um, but I mean, I... Which that practice yeah, facility is 
tremendous. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah. I've been to a better one. There yeah, isn't. it is. I don't there think is. so. Yeah, I, I think. But again, I haven't played the places you've played, Vega. But yeah, that, I mean, I got it to is play, enormous, I got... and it's it, like it's all grass. Pro V's. It, it's there's not there's yeah. again. I haven't been to a better one. And then now I've played Pine Valley like multiple times and I do not like that course because I think it's so hard, but it's really cool because of how hard it is. And like, I think like, yeah, that's, that's a cool one. Um, that's kind of a hard invite to come by. Yeah. I'm waiting for somehow a next one so I can get my revenge on that golf course, but it hasn't come yet. Um, we'll put, I, up, yeah, we'll I, put out the stick. PSA. Mega's looking yeah. for revenge on Pine Valley. If yeah. you're looking to take Mega, myself, and Mike out there, <laughs> certainly we'll be there for Mega's revenge. We're available. We can just say we're available. Yeah. Yeah. We're all available. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Bam. That's my final answer. Okay. That's Mike's. Mike, is, yeah. Mike has said on, I don't know, 75 occasions in this podcast <laughs> that he's he's wanted to play there. Um. Meg, I, I think uh, golfers are kind of superstitious by nature. And mm-hmm. uh, like I, I said, superstitious. And I'm like, no, those are our habits. And like whatever word you want to use is up to you. But what kind of habits do you have uh, on the golf course, like getting ready for competition, whether it's certain amount of tees, and you clearly have them because I see that smile coming through now. Like, what is that? I don't what? have them. I don't have that many. <laughs> what What are some that you do have uh, that you can share with us? I'm very. I feel like I'm mostly pretty much go with flow. Um, I always need some tees in my hair. Like, I kind of I get I get riled up if I don't have a tee in my hair when I need one, and I got gotta go find one that really bothers me. So I make sure they're in there. Okay. Is there a certain um, number that you're that you're popping in there? No, just just make sure there's something in there. Okay. And then I really like my Stanford ball marker, and like if I lose that, that's gonna get me agitated. Okay. Um, my golf coach has one, and that she she makes me put a lucky rock in my golf bag, but that's not me. That's like her, and I just do it to make her happy. So okay. it, it it is in there though all the time. Is it a big rock uh, or is it like a no? Like I know a it's a small one. It's, it's a small say one. your caddy it's must hate that. Yeah. <laughs> or her it's, when it's, she's carrying. Yeah. Or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mike, I, I think you've been looking for for some of these. I think we get. I think we get some teas in your hair. If they fit, I mean, gosh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I just steal some of the positivity. So when oh, I like to wear, if I really need like good luck, I'll wear all white when I'm playing. Okay. You You're like, hey, I'm really feeling it today, or I need, yeah. I need a good one. I'm gonna go all white. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dude, that's a good one. That's one that yeah. like. But I like it. She's basic. She's simple. Yeah. Like that. I'm, I'm just grab as many tees, throw them in the pocket, and we're going. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think Mike's more of a head case than I am, but I am always two tees. Right, do you guys have any weird ones? Uh, I don't think they're necessarily weird, but like in my right pocket, I have two tees ball mark like my my poker chip ball mark and my divot tool which has the flat on it and in my left is a second ball just in mm-hmm. case i got a pez dispenser it um <laughs> and the and and i think i have them in separate pockets because and this is gonna be the craziest shit i've ever said because i think it balances me out the ball on one side <laughs> and the team is- <laughs> 
<laughs> if you if you think it balances you out, then it does. That's that's the only thing. That so matters. there. You, so yeah, but like yeah. yeah, Mike's Mike is and I started with I think Mike's more of a head case than I am, but he just grabs and and he doesn't have like with that he doesn't have any kind of quirks. Okay, that's good. No Some parts of my life we got to keep simple. <laughs> <laughs> um Megan the last question we'd like to ask is uh is we're, we're a New Jersey podcast and we're you know we're talking golf but there is a great debate in New Jersey about a particular kind of breakfast meat and what that breakfast meat is called what do you call that particular breakfast meat I think it's called I think you just call it a pork roll yes there we go but is that yeah. what you call it is... yeah okay okay I, listen, that's I, what I, call I, I don't want you to answer the question thinking like what we want you to say. Right, no, yeah. no, I didn't. I, I didn't, want to know what was, you think. It, but that like, was if just you were the gonna answer. Order, you're going to say yeah. pork roll. Yeah. Okay. So now, this, this interview was a success. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about the rest of the question? <laughs> so I, I actually, you're a tough one because I don't know how long you lived in Jersey City for, but I would mm -hmm. assume Jersey City is a Taylor Ham section of the of the state. I think it is. I and don't then, really know. But I know Homedale's in the pork roll section. Definitely pork state. roll section. So yeah. I don't know how old you were when you when you moved down. Uh, if, if like the Taylor Ham kind of got indoctrinated into you early. No, there was no there was no indoctrination. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where she was going either with it. I was kind of curious. And I was hopeful she didn't answer the question with what, what we wanted her to say. Right. <laughs> no, no. I've Good. never, I, I don't think I've ever even heard Taylor Ham until like this debate started happening. Yeah. So yeah that's well, the way it should be. It is. It's the way it should yeah. be. <laughs> that's the way it should be. Well, Mega, it was awesome having you on. Uh, really thank you for, for spending time with us. I know that you haven't been feeling well and, and getting us in, in your busy schedules. Uh, we really appreciate it. And of course. Thank you, of guys. Luck yeah. With, thank you very much for coming on. Best of luck with your, with the rest of your summer and going into your school year. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you guys. Have you a good too, summer, buddy. too. Yep. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.